Welcome to another episode of Debatable. I'm Nina. I'm Kyle. And happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, we're not recording this on actual Valentine's Day. We just thought it would be like a good idea to release a Valentine's episode. Yeah, because Valentine's Day is a special day for Nina and I because this particular Valentine's Day is the anniversary of the Valentine's Day. That I ditched her. <laughs> yeah, last year we both agreed, like we tag out as friends because we had no Valentine's dates, and then suddenly you got a date, and I did it, and I was prepared to have dinner with you. And then I ditched you, like on the day, like a few hours before. Like, hey, I got a date I, I on Bumble. Oh, well. Anyway, also we don't have much of an ascendancy because we competed in tournaments during Valentine's Day, like Mint. Yeah, uh, like traditionally, days. Manila Intervarsity is always held on Valentine's Day. But I think now they, they don't do that. I think it's because of the change in the calendar. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure why, but that, that tradition doesn't seem to be alive anymore. But we will keep it alive. We will talk about motions uh, related to Valentine's and related to relationships. And the reason we're doing that is uh, a few reasons. The first would be just it's general fun. I think that debate isn't just about serious topics all the time. Debating is about the skill of discourse, the skill of having intellectual discussions, and they can apply in any topic. It is the same reason we have debates about TV shows sometimes in tournaments or even philosophical debates. Like, they're not always applicable to people, but it's worth discussing. yeah, Yeah, and like some debates where you just go like, this could never happen in real life, but you debate them anyway because they're fun thought experiments, you know? Yeah. Um, And also, like, we thought this would be a good time for everyone to also sort of see how you can apply technical debate skills to not-so-serious topics. And and also, like, I I would dispute the notion that motions about relationships and love, they're not, like, I would dispute the notion that motions about relationships and love aren't serious, like, they're just fun and games, because I'm of the belief that even love could be results of, like, political machinations and whatnot, like yeah. cultural phenomena. So I don't necessarily think that it's just fun and games, but a lot of the time relationships are products, partly products of the time and environment that they exist in. Yeah, and I think a lot of the motions we pick to prep um, sort of talk about that political angle of things, that power dynamic. So th- there's just a lot of things we're going to cover, and we thought the best way to do that is just to go straight to prepping various motions. So we have four. How do you... Which one do you want to start with? It's up to you. Like, whatever. <laughs> okay. Whichever one. I'm going to start with the, the rather technical one. Because I feel like that might be the one we spend the most time on. So the motion reads, This house prefers a world where romantic relationships are initiated by an algorithm that matches prospective partners to a near-perfect degree. So basically, I'm imagining the model to be something like you put your genetic information, you make a... Very technical Tinder account with family background, your preferences, your um, personality, your personality, stuff like that. Maybe even your diseases or what. And then the government or some private entity will find your perfect match. So if you've seen that episode of Black Mirror, Kyle hasn't, so I won't spoil it. But basically, it's very reminiscent of that one Black Mirror episode. Hang the DJ. Yeah, that was the name of it. You know what's funny about that that exchange? Because... They're like, oh, this is like the Black Mirror episode. I'm like, I'm not familiar with that. But this reminds you of the How I Met Your Mother episode. So it just goes to show that, like, it shows <laughs> what kind of people Nina and I are. Like, the type of things that you watch. Hey, I, I don't even remember the How I Met Your Mother episode. The, the one where Ted, like, 
doesn't have like a perfect match. Also, he goes to like this guru, and then no, no, no. Um, he goes to the guru with like technology and stuff to so find a perfect match, and like, you just couldn't find a perfect match because none existed. And apparently, there was this one person who had a perfect match, like near perfect match, talaga. But he was already like engaged to somebody else, so he tried to sabotage the relationship. Being a Ted, you know, like like sabotaging. Anyway, <laughs> so let's wrap the motion. Um, so let's start with Gov. Well, I I personally don't want a world like this. Like I think it'll lead to more harms. But if I was in government, I would probably argue first of all, um, why it would be more efficient. I'd say that a lot of people do not want to experience love because of the trauma they go to, um, because of the pain they've experienced. If you don't find someone right for you, you're more likely to feel depression, more likely to feel bad. And I know that's not a good thing and there are other ways to deal with it, but given that some people are not able to cope with that reality, this kind of algorithm and this kind of matchmaking system would help those kinds of people. You know, this motion actually reminds you of that other motion about like assuming feasibility, something technology where like there there's a technology where um before you enter into a relationship, you already know how it's going to end. Ah, that was a motion for a high school tournament, I remember. Yeah. So I think this motion is just about like the accuracy, the predictability yeah. of relationships. Yeah, and then I, I guess on government I I'd say something like it's very difficult to make fully informed decisions, especially with regard to love, where people hide a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, and then that barrier of information like harms a lot of people, like because they don't really know how compatible they are with a certain person at the onset, and like they just rush into things or something, or even if it it even if they take their time, eventually like that person changes or whatnot. That that causes harm, and like I, I would know. <laughs> wow! Wow! You're, you're coming from a deep, deep sadness there. Um, I, I have an issue though in government. I'm not sure if this is like a mandatory program or if it's something people can opt into. Because if it's something you can opt into, then that's fine. But if it's like mandatory, um, like the government sets it up that you have to be with someone, that might be something opt can use against you. I think I think that the the latter view is the more correct one because the the wording says a world where romantic relationships are initiated by an algorithm. It doesn't specify that like people can choose to initiate it using the algorithm. It's just like the entire world. This is how relationships work. It's like arranged marriages, arranged relationships. Oh but no, like, that yeah. that 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 makes it harder for Gov, doesn't it? Yeah, but like you can separate it from the analogy to present day um, arranged marriages. By saying that, look, in, in those instances, they're probably not going to be happy because they're not compatible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like someone else chooses it for you. And we borrow that in, in our policy on government. The difference is we're more sure than in present day that they're going to be happy. Like, in fact, you could say that this is actually the most sure that you can get that people will be happy. Yeah, and I would probably extend that logic by saying this is a side that's less likely to have for example, broken families, it's less likely to lead to abuses in the relationship because you're both on the same page. I wouldn't say it removes it completely, but I would argue that it significantly reduces it because all the differences, all the um, disagreements are avoided even before the relationship begins. And like I, w- I would also say that 
it is very, very difficult to get a relationship right now. Like, for example, if you're a person and you don't think that, like, you have low self-esteem or something, and you say, oh, I, I don't even want to go on a dating website because I don't think anyone will like me there. Like, those kinds of barriers also affect the ability of a person to enter into a romantic relationship in the first place. Mm. So, under this system, we remove that because, like, there is no barrier. There's no, like, oh, we're not going to accept you because you have low self-esteem. In this world, it is arranged by like, the government or some entity that says, look, here's your partners, like, you're... you're like a really great match, that, those kinds of things. Yeah. So like the accessibility of relationships. And like that is, of course, like government has to show that having those relationships is something that's valuable in the first place. Yeah, I feel like that's where I would kickstart the conversation for opposition. Obviously, the first thing I'd argue is it's very oppressive because you don't have a choice under government's model. Like you have to enter a relationship even if you don't want to. But I, I think though... Uh, I'll jump back to Gov a bit. Uh, so what if aromantic people? Do they get matched together? Yeah, because like aromantic people might not be asexual. You get me? So like, I, I don't know. I, I, I suppose that this motion sort of like gets the romantic side and also the sexual side. And like, let's let's bring it up to what we consider as romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Romantic or sexual relationships. But like, even if there are asexual, aromantic people who are not going to get romantic relationships anyway. I don't think... Like, I think for those people, they're not going to be likely to get romantic relationships anyway, and I don't think that this policy will change it. So okay. it's not like you're an asexual, aromantic person and then the government is forcing you to be in a relationship with someone. I don't think that's it. Yeah, okay, okay. Just just wanted to clarify. So for opposition, I'd argue it's very... um I, I wouldn't say oppressive. It's very coercive. Yeah, that's the word. So it forces you. I would also say one of the more like important elements of relationship is the trial and error process. I would argue that facing heartbreaks and disappointments in is in it of itself a value because it does help in the formation of individuals as people, understanding yeah. what you want, what you deserve. If it's not handed to you in a silver platter, you're more likely to be appreciative of it, likely to work hard for it, etc. I also think that um, since government is talking about how bad it is to have heartbreaks and stuff, and like it's very depressing if you get into um a broken relationship, or you just e- it's very depressing if you just exit a relationship. I think exiting relationships under government's model is even worse because you know that like they're the most perfect partner out there, and then you did you mess that up also. Uh-huh. You know, like you have situations where you're very very happy in a relationship and you're like i really don't want to mess this up because if i mess this up and that means like there's no one else for me there's no one else for me Mm -hmm. so that just magnifies so we already have that like we have uncertainty as to whether or not the person is the perfect match for you here you remove that uncertainty but the the threat of like you losing that person is still there and because you know for a fact that it's like your perfect partner the heartbreak is just much worse because, like, right now you already have this feeling like you don't, like... You're not loved. <laughs> you won't ever be, like, in a position where you'll be loved forever. And now, like, the literal perfect person is there and then you mess it up also. Like, you're never gonna succeed in any relationship. That's probably what people are going to be thinking. Hmm. Also, I, I, I think that there's a more philosophical angle to this where we talk about, 
the value of like the, the value of uncertainty and also the irrationality that's inherent in relationships. Like in the case of how I met your mother again, uh. um, the the person whose um, engagement that Ted tries to sabotage is like, well, we might be like a perfect ten in terms of compatibility, but. I love this person that I'm with right now, even though according to the algorithm, we're not as compatible as you and I. Mm. You understand? So, yeah. like this motion presupposes on government that like romance and stuff, you can estimate it using an algorithm which is based on logic, facts, numbers. But like real relationships, a lot of the time, like people don't really listen to reason. Yeah, they don't make sense a lot of the times. And sometimes you're best with someone you're incompatible with. And I don't think an algorithm would be able to like estimate or anticipate that kind of outcome. So I'd say there's more options also in opposition, given that, yeah, you don't have the fear of messing up. You always have this mindset that there's someone else better for me. You'll always strive for that, to perfect how you are, um, make minor changes to improve yourself as a person, to find love that you deserve. Yeah, so I think the real test in this motion is how well you can characterize the mindsets of people when they're entering into relationships, when they're staying in their relationship, when they leave their relationship. Yeah, if I was in either side of the debate, that's probably how I'd organize my speech. Like, before entering, when I'm in the relationship, and then after. And the extension could be something like cultural. Yeah, culture, um, how we change, how we view relationships. It's just going to be very transactional, very robotic. And I wouldn't want that. Yeah, some people would argue that, well, it is a transaction. There's nothing inherently meaningful in a romantic relationship. It's just... Chemical changes in the brain. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna continue that sentence. You have anything else? No, like so, some people would say that, and like maybe you can argue that on um, government. Yeah. Like if if opposition is you're devaluing relationships, it's no longer emotional. It's now rational. It's based on numbers. And like so what? Yeah, if I was in gov, I'd just go very hard. So what? But that's the first motion. Uh, I'm not sure how extensive this first motion can be. I, again, like Kyle said, it's really based on how you characterize. There's no like clear-cut set of arguments for this one. There's no cookie cutters that you can use. It's very, I would say, uh, experiential. Like The more you know about relationships and feelings, I guess, the better you'll do. So Kyle had a lot of thoughts that I didn't come up with because... I have a lot of feelings. Yeah, you, you have a lot of feelings and you've been through a lot. <laughs> no, I think like... People really underestimate their own experiences as sources of wisdom in in debating. Yeah, because like there are lots of motions that center around the person's identity, and you have to like introspect a bit. Like, why do you feel a particular way? Yeah, introspection is good. Like, it, whoever says that your experiences are invalid sources of like matter, um, they're wrong. But of course, there's an extent to that. Like, you can't just have your entire speech based on your one love life story. Okay, the second motion is this house believes that public displays of affection do more harm than good to relationships. So, the PDA culture. Yeah, so this was a motion from last year's PIDC? Was this last year's PIDC? Uh, No, this wasn't in PIDC. I I think this was from... Uh, oh yeah, last year's PIDC. Yeah, yeah I was in the ad score that said this. Yeah, so <laughs> I forgot. How would you forget? <laughs> no, actually, the, the misconception in this motion is that it's just like just about relationships in general, but it's also a motion about the LGBT community. Yeah. Um. So Albert was the one actually who talked extensively about like the possible arguments for either side. So in in government, 
one of the strongest arguments you can run about why public displays of affection do more harm than good is because, one, it sets an unfair expectation and standards on people. Like, the more you see it on social media, the more you become demanding of it, the more you're going to be unhappy with your current relationships. Like, why didn't he send, like, a bajillion roses to my house when other people did that, right? Or why do, doesn't he pay all the time during dinners when that's, like, the ultimate way of displaying affection? Like, I think it's very coercive in a way. It, it sets standards. Yeah, it sets standards, but all love's different. You don't have to always make grand gestures. But public displays of affection, most often than not, like, require that kind of, like, grand gesture. You need money also. I would argue in government, it, it's very elitist. It's not everyone can afford to have the public display of affection others do. But if it's just, like, for example, a very emotional post, like, nothing was spent that's still an expectation that's being set. Because if you have, for example, a partner that's not very affectionate, that's not into posting things, you more likely question like the love. Like, am I not being loved because I'm not being posted about, etc. Oh yeah, no, I remember this one time. Um, someone was saying, you never posted anything on my birthday. <laughs> you never <laughs> posted anything on my birthday. And I was like, yeah, no, I promise. Next time I'll do it. Next time I'll do it. But I'm not the type of person who greets people on their birthdays. Yeah. Like on Facebook. So the guy I just went to a birthday party and I was like, I was already there. And I just remembered that it was her birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm not that kind of person. So I, I suppose that like it is very true. Like based on my experience, and I suppose other people have that experience also. But even in the case where people don't necessarily feel that way, how would you respond on government? Like, like there are some people who recognize it's not how they like show operate affection. or yeah. show affection. Oh, another how government. Them? The other government ar- argument that I'll raise then is about how it's very heteronormative. Yeah. Like a lot of LGBT relationships don't have the luxury of being able to PDA, and if they do, they have to do it a particular way to be valid. Like you can't be both femmes or you can't be both mask, right? Yeah. Um, there's an expectation like who's the girl who's the guy who's the more affectionate one who's the one that who's the top or bottom I, I don't know I'm just saying terms here yeah no I remember um, someone was telling me about the deliberations for the 9262 law the violence against women and children and someone was talking about how would this apply to lesbian relationships for example because the law says that like it, it assumes that the man is doing the 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 abuse right because mm. men are trash so under that um example someone was asking oh if it's a lesser relationship does this law still apply to them and then the answer is like yes it's like who will it apply to who's abuser that sounds like a do you butch yeah <laughs> the, the that butch was that one. was so, very yeah so I cringed at that I I think what I I have something like important here I'm just trying to remember. Okay, while you're remembering that, I have another argument for government. It makes relationships very superficial, right? Because you look forward to holidays and you look forward to being with your partner, to post on social media, to gain clout, to collect likes. If you're an influencer couple, it's about like getting sponsorships. Like your relationship isn't real unless it's posted on social media. Oh, and yeah, that's no, the I new trend. That. Yeah. I get that. It's a new so trend. It, it obviously doesn't apply to everyone. Yes, but like it, like some relationships don't require that within their relationship. But a lot of people, like from the outside looking in, they go like, "Oh, I didn't even know that they were together mm. because they don't post about each other." Yeah, know? or the relationship ends up being invalid. 
Like a common question is, why aren't you Facebook official? When are you gonna be Facebook official? Why aren't you posting about each other? Like I don't even know when your anniversary is, and I don't think that that's a healthy kind of culture. Yeah. Because you're forcing people to change how they engage with relationships and change how they act in their own relationships. Yeah. So I guess the I guess the biggest philosophical framework for this on Gov would be to say that. Having a relationship and romant like romance is one of the most intimate private, private things, things yeah. that you can have in your life. So like the culture of PDA transforms it from a private thing into a public thing. It becomes a commodity and stuff and it again it devalues the relationship. Yeah, and it makes people feel like they owe the public like explanations and owe the public like announcements. Like when they're together or when they break up, like they have to make a public service announcement for it, and I feel like that's very sad. Yeah. Right. And again, on the okay, I just remembered. Okay, you remember on, on the topic of LGBT versus PDA. I read this paper about what's called homonormativity. So heteronormativity is like this is how people should act. They should act like heterosexuals. Mm-hmm. Homo um, homonormativity is the masking of homosexuality so that it passes heteronormative standards. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in the LGBT do that, uh, like, are faced with that problem. So you have instances of either one strategic restraint, like people from the LGBT don't want to be shamed for doing PDA with their respective partners because, again, you have a heteronormative culture so that they, so they restrain themselves from expressing their emotions in public. And even if there are um, homosexual couples that do PDA, a lot of people from the LGBT community see them as show-offs. Yeah. And the problem with that is PDA, at least according to the paper I read, is seen as a privilege that is reserved for heterosexual couples. Yeah, so, so it ties back to the argument we already made. Yeah, so it's a, it's a space that is reserved for them. So it's one of the battles that they have to fight also. And since we're, we, we like talking about how like the oppressed minority people want to like f- just fight for space, mm-hmm. and this is one of the spaces that they're being cast into the shadow. And- yeah, so but that that brings me perfectly to op because the way I'd read about that in op is PDA is a form of empowerment. It's reclaiming that space. Like when LGBT couples post online, oftentimes they do it as an act of rebellion, an act of celebration. It's also them trying to normalize their relationships. So I'd say that PDAs are no longer as restrictive as they used to be. If anything, it's now a form of empowerment for people who couldn't do it before. And therefore, it does a bit of good to relationships because we are widening the perspectives of people. If I'm in a heterosexual like relationship and I see like a variety of PDAs from people of different spectrums, of different races, of different like gender identities, I'm more open to the idea that, hey, I guess love is love, regardless of what it is. Yeah, I, I also remember a, mo- a scene from a movie, V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you can tell that I, I get a lot of my matter from movies. I, I think it's a trend, yes. <laughs> because if it's if it's emotion about like experiences and I haven't had those experiences, it's either I think about someone I know who's had those experiences or like a piece of media that I watched where I was put into the shoes of someone who had those experiences. So in V for Vendetta, there was a story about this um this woman who entered into a lesbian relationship and she was disowned by her family and what happened was there was this really powerful scene where like her parents were just lambasting her for being a lesbian and like the only person that she could hold on to was her partner who was holding her hand at the time Aww. so pda 
um, isn't just something it's like, oh, I, let me show off my relationship. In a lot of instances, it's when you are at your worst, when you're at your most vulnerable, your partner just there to support you. And I think that's super powerful for like opposition. Like it's a it's a source of empowerment. Yeah, uh, I would also say in opposition, it doesn't cause like harm because at the end of the day, it's your choice to show off or not. Like I would say that the coercion that government's arguing is not as true. There are still a lot of private couples. There are still a lot of people that choose not to bring their relationship into the spotlight. It's only people who choose to do so. So I would say a choice still exists and it's not as restrictive yeah. as you'd argue in Gov. Yeah, but that's the exact thing that Gov has to argue. That yeah. Regardless of like you having a choice, it's just a superficial choice. Because like, in reality, you are actually pressured to make all these announcements or if you're part of the LGBT you're pressured not to make those announcements yeah so again similar to the first motion and I think all the motions we'll be discussing it's all about characterization being able to understand the mindsets of people so it is an important skill to be able to debate about relationships because I would say for example topics of IR and politics they're just blown up versions of micro interactions that people have right (laughs) so like I remember when I was in first year I was always telling you that um, even IR is just about relationships. That's the reason why like, I challenged myself to make a who got line every intro. It was ridiculous. Like, yeah, that was like first year Kyle. I, I, I wouldn't do that anymore because <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Because you have like a motion about like Syria or something. I was like, in a relationship, <laughs> is a secret. That's like stop. I'm so happy you have grown out of that habit because I had to witness all of that during our first years of training together. I was always experimental, so sue me. <laughs> okay. Third motion, I think it's very similar to the second one, so we'll just breeze through it. It's this house regrets Valentine's Day as a cultural norm. I think I would argue the same things I did in the previous motion. It's it forces people to like display things even if they don't want. It changes the relationship from a private thing to a public yeah, thing. Because Valentine's Day is basically PDA but make it like yearly. Make it yearly. And, and make, make it grand. And also make it capitalist. Yeah, there. That's that a new a angle. special nuance that I would put on the Yeah, especially companies and a lot of shops capitalize on Valentine's promos or buy this for your loved one. It's, I think, like my theory on Valentine's Day was it, it used to be an actual celebration of love. But because it's become a cultural norm, it's been co-opted by these like horrible corporations to maximize profit, right? How about podcasts who use Valentine's Day to release a special episode about Valentine's Day? Well, we are actually subverting that expectation because we are not making money. We are not making money, but second, we are debunking everything about Valentine's Day. This is like the most unromantic podcast episode for Valentine's Day you will probably ever encounter on like Spotify or iTunes yeah, right like, now. A lot of people like when they listen to podcast episodes on Valentine's Day, they go like, hmm, how can I surprise my special partner, my my significant other this Valentine's Day? And then all of a sudden you go like, welcome to an episode of Debatable. Let's debunk everything about <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yeah, so that that's what I'd argue in Gov. I'd also say it becomes superficial. Like you are announcing that there's one day in the year where you have to love your partner more. Compared to other days. Like, I would argue, without Valentine's, if the norm didn't exist, it's likely you would love your partner equally throughout all days. But here, like, you have to love your partner in a particularly, like, different way, in a more grand way, in a more capitalist way. You have to reserve in a restaurant. You gotta buy these flowers, etc. 
And I think that that's just like such a high bar to have to fulfill every year. So basically, that argument is why can't every day be Valentine's Day? Yeah, yeah, basically. Why does it have to be one day? <laughs> yeah. All right, that's like the very, like, I wouldn't phrase it like that. I would, I would it phrase more... it on Opter button. Mm, yeah. It's like, they are either. Why can't every day be Valentine's Day? Obviously, I'm just like prepping it. If I actually was gonna give this speech, it would be a lot more sophisticated. Why time. can't every day be Independence Day? Yeah. <laughs> that's how I do Why can't every day be New Year's? Yeah, so that's opposition. Another thing I'd argue in opposition is I'd say Valentine's Day is not useless. It's a day for people to stop and appreciate, be reminded that they have to appreciate the loved ones. I would also say the cultural norm nowadays is like growing. It's no longer just about relationships. It's about familial ties. It's about being with your friends. It's about hanging out with your best friend on Valentine's Day only to be ditched by a bumble date, you know? Stuff like that. Okay, so you know what? Just to be clear, like for the record, okay, I made it up to you the next day. I said, sorry, let's have dinner tonight. Yeah, but it wasn't Valentine's anymore. That's why it was less special. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, why can't every day be Valentine's Day? (laughs) Yeah, so I would say that in up, it's a constant reminder of the blessings that you have. It's not a bad thing. I would say that even nowadays, a lot of articles and videos and posts online are showing up that you don't have to be capitalistic to celebrate Valentine's. There's a lot of DIYs. There's a lot of like little... uh, things you can do for your partner on, yeah. on the date itself. But I, I would say that like that same notion applies to every single holiday or like event where we commemorate something. Yeah. Christmas. Like Mother's Day, Mother's Father's Day, Day etc. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why could every day be Father's Day? <laughs> it was like, no. Like, we, we love and respect these people the year round. It's just this year in uh, this day in particular, like we have to super emphasize it. It's like, sometimes people might forget, you know, like, those kind of things happen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that's the third motion. Um, we're, we're just breathing like, through it. Our, our discussion makes it makes it seem a little bit thin. But if you consider the fact that you can basically argue a lot of the things that we talked about in the previous motion, in this one, it doesn't seem that thin anymore. Yeah. I would say these are more or less like Asians' motions anyway. Oh, also you can you can probably talk about how... The Valentine's Day as a cultural norm evolved through the years. Like, and I don't have matter on this, but like, it's supposed to commemorate Saint Valentine's who died. Yeah. Like as a martyr, so those kinds of things, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I would say that it also celebrates like the culture at the time, how people view each other at the time. So it's worth celebrating as a norm because we also get to track the evolution of relationships and how we address them. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like more of an extension thing. I'd say it's a, a pretty hard argument to run, but it's still worth it. If you looking. don't have matter. Yeah. But if you do have matter, it might Yeah, so, so probably matter load on this if you're interested. Okay, last motion. Um, this one is very different from all the other motions. It's just a, a little bit like... Because it's serious. It's serious. It's very technical. It's law. This house would fire civil servants who refuse to wed same-sex couples. So there's a religion angle to this. There's a choice angle to this. There's also an LGBT angle to this. So I'd say this is one of those legal, like, more political motions in this set. At least in the Philippines, you know what I'm saying? Like, people aren't required to render services that they find religiously, morally unacceptable. So in Imbong versus Ochoa, this was the case about the RH bill. It's not a, it's now a law, but back then it was a bill. And there was a provision there that required people to refer their patient to another doctor if they didn't want to 
treat um, them if they didn't want to give um, contraceptives. Mm. Yeah, and then the court said that that's unconstitutional because it violates freedom of religion. Um, so the notion here is that uh, the the argument here is that you're forcing them against their will and against their religious beliefs to directly or indirectly participate in a behavior that they find morally abhorrent, mm-hmm. like protected sex for a reason. Yeah, but but I I just worth clarifying because your matter was Philippines. Obviously, this motion just applies to countries where um same sex marriage. Yeah, you have same sex marriage. Yeah. Right, but we would argue the nuance here is we're not forcing the church to wed. Um, we're same, talking about civil servants. Yeah, meaning yeah. they're they're government agents. They work for the government. Therefore, they're they they should be bound by the law. If the law, yeah, the the United States, the Supreme Court says like same sex marriage is legal, at least through um the courts, then we expect that people should act on it, and civil servants yeah. should uphold that. It should be secular morality. Yeah. As as Stradivers Escritor would say. Yeah, so that's what I'd argue in government. Like it's your duty. Um you are not above the law, given that even if you have religious freedoms, they should not step on the ability of people to practice their rights given yeah. to them and granted to them by the Supreme Court. Or by the state. Or by the state. Yeah. So like you have to th- this motion for me is like what are the extents of religious exercise mm-hmm. like re- religious freedom especially with respect to like a person's role as a civil servant so like there has to be some limit somewhere like you can't just do anything you want just because of your religious beliefs especially if it interferes with the public interest mm-hmm. so th- this is the reason why th- there was this huge debate before about whether or not we should allow people to hold masses and whatnot in like court buildings yeah. because like it is it's it, a secular it is, space yeah, it's a secular space um my my issue here or not really issue i think an important word to note here is fire yeah why, why fire why go to the extent of fire them like why isn't it enough that we put them on probation why isn't it in- not enough that we just disallow them but why is it that the active refusal of wedding same-sex couples leads to you like losing your job in government well, I mean, if you discriminate somebody based on your based on their sex, for example, mm-hmm. that is grounds for you to be removed for okay. like for misconduct, for example. Yeah, uh, so, discrimination. Yeah, so I, I I just pointed it out. Like the answer is simple, but it is something you need to mention if you are in government. Preferably, like the first few arguments of your prime minister. Yeah, have why should it be fire instead yeah. of instead of admonish? Warn, reprimand, put on probation. You know, probation, like the, the suspension. soft, the, the soft uh, stuff. Um, I would also argue in government, it's a powerful message for LGBT couples because I would argue the the law is rendered useless if civil servants can still choose to like not wed you, right? Like, what's the point of the law? And I'd say there's still a level of discrimination when it comes to marriage if they're not able to exercise it like fully. Or through like the same government services that promise them that they should be able to do it. So and for the LGBT community, like not firing the civil servants is basically a slap to their faces. But firing them therefore makes it easier for them to fulfill the rights that was granted to them. Yeah, and on opposition, like the, the first one is like religious choice, religious right? yeah, like freedom of religious exercise. And the test here is whether or not there's a compelling state interest. That is like being obstructed mm-hmm. because of yeah. So for me in this case on opposition, I have to say that like it's not like they're the only civil servants. Like there are probably alternatives. Yeah. And it's not like 
it's not the same as not granting, for example, um, abortifacients. Because in those instances, it's like there's a very limited amount of time before you, um, before it's irreversible and something like that. Ah, contraception pala, and like um, morning after pills. But in this case, I think like you can refer or they can look for another civil servant who will like wed them. So their exercise of religious freedom isn't necessarily infringing on another person's freedom of association to marry whoever they want. Like, there's always an alternative. So, considering that there is an alternative, why are we stepping on the religious freedoms of this civil servant? Yeah. Yeah, and you, you also have things like, you, you have conscientious objectors. So, even if you are a civil servant, for example, and then you get called to serve in the army, you can say, oh, my religious beliefs, like, bar me from participating, participating in those kinds of things. And the state allows it. Mm-hmm. So, so, this is the same. This is basically the same. Because... Even even in the draft or conscription or whatnot, like it's not like you're the only person there. Like they can mm-hmm. probably draft other people who do not conscientiously object to um serving in the army. Yeah. But I would also argue in op it disproportionately harms like conservatives and religious people. Like imagine you're literally taking away a job from them. You make them unemployed. And because they've been fired from a government position, it becomes very difficult for them to find new work. Right? Yeah. Or I'd say you even push them further into being conservative because you cut them off, you enrage them. They're only likely now to serve in a church or in a very conservative institution that holds to their beliefs. Yeah. So you limit the amount of exposure these civil servants have to the LGBT community or to the notion that maybe same-sex couples aren't as bad as they initially thought they were. Yeah, so that's the political aspect. Yeah. Yeah, the, the movement part of the debate on opposition and there's also the the law one the law one (laughs) where opposition basically says look i know that you want to be secular but secularism isn't just freedom from religion but also freedom of religion and if you prioritize one over the other then it's it's discrimination (laughs) yeah you're not doing anyone any favors you're just flipping the discrimination from one group to another and that's not what any side of the world would want especially countries that are trying to give benefits to the lgbt it shouldn't come at the expense of another group yeah but i would say on government as a rebuttal to that like even if even if you're stepping on someone's rights like some people would say you're being so intolerant against intolerant people like you're basically a fascist like i have been called that before i'm saying i would say like okay fine let's assume but not concede that doing this is kind of discriminatory, it's kind of intolerant, that's fine. Because, like, I would create a, like, a certain hierarchy of intolerance where, like, if we are intolerant to intolerant people, our kind of intolerance is the one that, like, frees people and gives them more rights, as opposed to the intolerance that we don't like, which is intolerance and let's limit their freedom somewhere. So, so it's a very way, pragmatic angle, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so either way, there might be some restriction of rights, but at least our kind of intolerance from government like does more good than harm in terms of rights being afforded to minority groups. Yeah, I think that's more or less the basic arguments for this motion. If you think of other ones, then good for you. Um, let us know if we miss anything you think is very important. But again, right, we're just running through various motions to showcase that like angles of politics, angles of law, angles of like movements can apply even to motions that you might think aren't uh, like tournament 
worthy or what or worthy of like debates like i think we really have to go away from the misconception that like there's only a select kind of motions or topics that we can discuss debate should be for everyone if like especially younger people who are not yet very matter loaded you'd want to like introduce them to debate by showcasing topics that they can probably use their experiences yeah. yeah yeah so i think that's that's about it for this episode yep it is kind of long and ranty. Well, it's a special, I guess. Yeah, and for me, I think it's fine that we didn't super structure the way that we prepped anything. I think it's fine that we we're just ranting. No one's saying it's bad. <laughs> no, because like, we did say that we're case building it, but... This is how we case build. This is how we case build. <laughs> but remember in, in episode one, we thought, this is how we prep. And we're not following those steps. I didn't even go to the bathroom. So mm. I think the difference here is that we're just brainstorming ideas on how to do it because we, we didn't prep this beforehand. We we're just like, okay, let's do these motions. These motions look interesting. Let's go in. Yeah, I, I think this is more of a conversational episode more than anything. This is actually how Kyle and I talk about random topics or random debates when we disagree with each other. So this was your insight into like the daily life of Nina and Kyle outside of recording. This is literally the same. Yeah. Minus like Kyle will speak more Tagalog if ever though. And swear more. You swear more. Yeah. You swear so much. I'm sorry. It's I'm okay. So- it's I-, I apologize <laughs> for my Catholic upbringing. Yeah, same, same. All right. So that that's it for this episode. We hope you liked it. We're going to go back on track with the more serious topics in the next ones. But we hope you enjoyed this little break and we hope that you enjoy Valentine's. If you're listening to this on Valentine's, then we will be your Valentine's dates. Don't worry. We're here for you. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs)